with that promise that Terry just proclaimed, that though we are not yet like we will be, we hear this word that we are called children of God. And as children of God, for all those in Christ Jesus, we get this hope, and that hope comes because our God comes after us, and we hear our God's heart for us in today's gospel reading. It comes from the gospel of Luke, chapter 15, and I'm going to begin reading in the first verse. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house And seek diligently until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I know it's... Uh, an election week, so I'm cognizant of that when I tell you this story that I ran into a politician. This is not a joke. I was in Iowa some years ago at an LCMC gathering, and we were walking out of our Hampton Inn where we were staying, and as I walked out of the Hampton Inn and underneath the Uh, covered area there waiting for a ride back to the uh, event at the convention center. I noticed standing there uh, waiting for his ride as his entourage went to get it was a U.S. senator. Now this senator was not Iowan. I'd seen him on the news many times and uh, he was uh, it made sense that he was in Iowa since he at the time was considering a run for president. And I confess to you that when I saw him, I said, ah, oh, that guy. Ugh. <laughs> oh. I grumbled and I murmured. Oh. And then something happened that really offended me. He began a conversation with me that was genuine and kind. <laughs> That really bothered me. I mean, you know? And uh, like the Israelites before us, I grumbled. 
And of course, I realized right away it was my own heart, right? That was the problem. The Israelites before us, they grumbled to their leaders, Moses. And that same word for grumble that uh, was used in Greek in the New Testament about grumbling about what the Lord was doing here is the same word when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, the Septuagint, that is used to talk about the grumbling then. So then, we're with Jesus, or now, we tend to grumble and murmur, don't we? In fact, we take it up a notch. We, we don't just mumble and grumble about our leaders, we grumble about God himself. See, sometimes we know that we're lost and we're broken. And I bet you that you don't have Luke 15, verse 1, as a, as a memory verse, right? That says this, if you heard it in the reading this morning, the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. Those who know they're lost drew near to Jesus to hear him. Those of us who are murmuring and grumbling, turns out we're lost too. Of course, it's even worse than that because sometimes many of us don't even know that we're lost. We're so lost that we get offended when someone says we are lost, right? We need someone to come after us. A friend of mine uh, posted a meme this week that I think kind of captures a little bit of this. The meme says this, the devil, the devil knows your name but he calls you by your sin. Jesus, he knows your sin. But as we heard in 1 John 3, he calls you by your name. He calls you by your name. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, a few chapters later, we discover that Jesus' mission put out clearly for us is to seek and find the lost and we hear that in today's reading that Jesus' mission is for you the sinner the politician I mean tax collector right you the lost the grumbler and me Jesus' mission is for you Jesus' mission is for those that we grumble about. <laughs> he came to seek and find the lost. And you know, Jesus is, wants us to get this point so clearly that he, he puts his point here right on target in three different parables. He takes the hammer and hits the nail by its head right on like a precise expert carpenter. Three times. We're going to review two of those parables this week and the third next week. In fact, this whole sermon really could be summarized in 30 seconds. You are worse than you imagine. You are more valuable than you believe. 
or that the world tells you. And God is obsessed, relentlessly so, with going after you. Going after you. And when we turn around and repent, there's a party. You'll see that in each one of these parables. There is a party. And so Jesus keeps hammering his points. And so let's uh, observe them again from these parables. We've already talked a little bit about the first three verses that introduces them. About the tax collectors and the sinners drawing near while the Pharisees and the teachers of the law grumble. But Jesus, first century scholars will tell us, you know, when he's inviting folks in to eat with them, he is making a statement He's welcoming them with the gospel. You see, as one New Testament Jewish scholar, C.G. Montefiore pointed out, it's not that the uh, Jewish leaders were surprised that the Messiah would come to bring redemption. It's that, that they were surprised that he would do it by seeking the lost. And notice again, who draws near? Those who know they need to hear it. Now let's compare these two parables for a moment as Jesus continues to hit that hammer and we hear it hit the head of the nail. He asked this question, what man among you would leave the 99 to go for the one? And the answer is no one, right? No one would leave 99% of their property to try and go and find the 1%. No one, except in God's economy. It lets us know what a reckless abandonment God is taking to come after us. Now don't read this parable backwards. This is if to say he doesn't care about the other 99. That's not the truth, Right? But he goes after us. Now, I don't normally tell stories about my kids because I don't want them to be worried about what I'm saying when I'm preaching, right? Uh, But this story I'm going to tell is really because it's my side of the story. When my son, when we were on a a trip doing some uh, bike riding in the mountains, when my son didn't come back to a checkpoint with his buddy... I didn't even think. I was on the trail going back after him without a thought in mind. It was just an automatic reaction. I was going to find him, right? How much more so that is true of our Heavenly Father who loves us even more and comes after us. I mean, did the sheep know they were lost? Right? I I know for sure the coin didn't know it was lost, right? Right? And someone needed to go after it. God goes after us even before we even know we're lost. He comes after us. And look at these two parables. Like, you know, the, the woman who... Move the 
what would probably have been straw on the floor out of the way in a first century house that had no windows most likely. She lit the lamp. She, she searched and searched as an image of God coming after us, lighting his light to find us. And then she rejoiced by saying, Eureka, uh, or we'd say in English, Eureka. Now whether it was 1%, like a, the case of the 99 of our income, or 10% in the case of this savings by this woman, which who knows, may have even been a dowry, Or in the next parable, as we'll talk about next week, 50%, the two brothers, God goes after us. He's coming. I mean, imagine being lost and knowing that someone is coming. Doesn't that make a difference? He's coming after you. Do you know that that is how much God thinks of you? that nothing will stop him from coming, even putting on flesh and human form and dwelling among us to come after you. Do you know he even does that with your enemies? Those you murmur about, those I murmur about, he's coming after them. In Ezekiel 34, it talks about of being a good shepherd and it talks about well actually the prophet is chastising the the shepherds of God's people for not taking care of them and so what does God say in Ezekiel 34 he says I myself will do it and guess what here we are in Luke 15 with God himself Jesus coming after us Now, you know what we do when we hear stories like this, when a a turnaround and a repentance happens? Uh, As one author put it, she put it so succinctly, prove it, right? (laughs) Prove it. That guy, she, she, they turned around, right? Prove it. We even do it to ourselves, right? Well, now I really have to prove it. But you know what God does? He throws a party. He throws a party. In Luther's Heidelberg uh, dispensation in thesis number 25, he puts it like this. He is not righteous who does much, but he who without work believes much in Christ. It's by that gift of faith He would go on to say in other places that we can either carry the burdens on our shoulders or like Jesus did with that lamb, we can let Christ carry our burdens. So instead of proving it, Jesus says, let's celebrate and rejoice. There's a party. In fact, when it says in heaven, In that text, when in heaven they're rejoicing, it's a reverent way of saying God. God, the angels, the saints who have gone before us. When we we repent, teshuva in Hebrew, when we turn around, there's a party. 
at Holy Communion, we come to this party. He extends that grace to us. He eats with us. He says in the Gospel of Luke later that he is looking forward to eating with us. But the whole mystical body of Christ, this communion rail, extends into eternity. And so he invites us to receive that table of grace this morning. And as he invites us, he also invites us to get his own obsession to invite others to this party, to come to this table of grace like our Savior has done for us. Friends, on that last day that we're here on this side of heaven, we will not be surprised that we need him to carry us on his shoulders. He actually is the one who proved it, though, not us. We've been talking about that hammer proving his point. Well, he did it in a different way. Instead of swinging the hammer, he allowed the nails to go to his hands and to humbly let someone else swing that hammer and pierce him for our transgressions so that we would be saved. Do you hear his voice calling you today? He is coming for you. Think you heard all this before? You know, at one point when I was prepping this sermon, I thought, well, where's a, a gem in the Greek or some way to make this familiar text fresh? And then I realized, what am I talking about? These are the words of Jesus. I don't need to prop them up. And we need to come back to him again and again and again. And so, friends, spread the word. Let's not party alone. Let's invite others to this party because he invites us. And may we, like the lost before us, draw near to hear him. Amen.